whatever is stressing you out at the moment, you can put that onto a page, be it an interaction with a person or a certain circumstance, um, and either having it away in the journal or some people even tear the page up after can have a huge therapeutic benefit. Hello everyone, and welcome to our sixth episode. Have you ever journaled or are you currently a journaler? Today's event discusses three types of journaling, the traditional written form, photographic, and gratitude journaling. Use one or variety to help process emotions. Keep a record of your day and document what is going on around you. Let's join Lucy Diaz, director of special events, and our journaling experts, Diana Fuller, psychologist and host of the Watered Grass podcast, Tammy Riley, director of fitness and well-being, Autumn Driscoll, university photographer, and Richie Petrosino, student photographer. This is the Virtual Quadcast, a podcast by the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio in partnership with the University Events and Community Partnerships team. I'm Carla Natale. We are so happy to have you with us. Thank you for listening. Okay, so we are going to start things off with Diana. And Diana will share some information with us about some traditional journaling. So welcome, Diana, and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited for this today. Hi, everybody. Uh, thanks for including me in the Quinnipiac community. Um, so let's start with what traditional journaling is. So if we want to head to the first slide, um, it is usually a much simpler definition than what we actually think of when we try to define something like wellness, well-being, journaling. It's all much broader than we usually label it. So journaling is simply recording information regularly, um, usually related to thoughts, feelings, or experiences. Uh, I'm gonna be talking mostly about written journaling, um, but even looking at the definition, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be handwriting into, onto a piece of paper. Um, journaling can be, as we're seeing later, photography. Um, some journaling is done via art. Um, and even people do just voice memos for themselves to go and look back at. So in the age of technology, uh, there are tons of options for what it is. Um, but let's also talk about what it isn't. So let's go to the next slide and talk about some of the common myths around journaling um, that can stop people in their tracks. So number one, one of the ones that you hear the most, um, again, it has to be written. Um, we have lots of different options. I'm excited that some of those are included in today's presentation so you can learn more specifically how that could work for you. Um, but really, whatever mode is calling to you, it doesn't necessarily have to be a written uh, form of recording. Uh, another myth is that you have to have a specific purpose when you start journaling. Uh, journaling um, does not have to be, you know, here are going to be the memoirs of my life that I'm going to pour forth onto this page. I know lots of people who, when they started just to get in the habit, their first few journaling entries literally said, I'm not sure what to write today. Um, it's about the process and the way it makes you feel. So it's okay if it's limited in the beginning. And then as you're going, I promise you, you'll tend to find your way. So another myth, it's only for people who are good at writing. So journaling is um, a great practice if you are a writer to really fine tune your skills, but it's more about how the journaling makes you feel more so than the end product. Um, it's not something you have to go back and edit. Of course, it's not something to share unless you would like to. Um, so if you are not the best writer, you haven't been active in writing for a while, don't let that stop you. Another myth is you have to write a lot. Uh, we always see on TV those dear diary where someone's writing a full page to several pages. Um, some formats of journaling, we'll talk about some of them later, are much shorter, like bullet journaling where it really is recording just specific information 
in little notes. So it's about writing to the point that you feel like you got your message out, not reaching a certain level where it's like, you know, I have to fill the page or I have to do a five sentence paragraph. Um, it's really about once you feel like your message is, is out on the page in the voice memo in that art um, and then being able to move on and release it there. Um, and then also lastly, uh, that you need to have the ideas first, right? I'm going to journal about these prompts. Like I want to delve more into my ideas about myself. I want to write about gratitude. Um, there are lots and lots of options to get you started. Uh, there are tons of guided journals that you can buy online that provide you with specific prompts. Um, I've used some that are like a 52 um, week series on, you know, lists just to get to know yourself more, your favorite things in different categories. Um, there are some that will give you sentence starters. And if you go online, there are plenty of sites to get you started so that you don't have to generate your own ideas and feel overwhelmed. So now that we know a little bit more about journaling, let's talk about what those benefits are. Um, so there are lots of different benefits when it comes to journaling. Uh, number one, it helps you keep your thoughts organized, um, especially if you're someone that tends to overthink or identify yourself as an anxious person. Uh, it lets you have a place to keep your thoughts and leave them there instead of trying to keep them all in your mind. Um, so especially if you are someone that, uh, especially right now in this pandemic that we're in, if you're having trouble sleeping, journaling before bed can help kind of release those thoughts and give them a place to stay so that they're not cycling around in your brain as you're trying to fall asleep. If you are someone that wants to work on your writing, this is a great way to do it, be it if you're a writer or just someone who wants to go back and revisit that. Um, it helps with your goal achievement. So some types of writing are very specific to um, a certain goal, right? Like there are people who will log, you know, about what their fitness routine is and what they did for the day. So being able to revisit it and look at your steps on your progress um, can be really reinforcing and help motivate you. Um, but it also allows you to look at the process. Like for example, people who track what they eat, you know, looking at a day where you said, wow, look at all the sugar I had on this day and I was really tired. It allows you to kind of look back and make adjustments so that you can reflect on that and adjust how you want to feel the next day. Um, again, it's a stress reliever, which I think we could all use right now as a little stress relief. Again, it lets you take those thoughts out of your brain and put them onto paper so that you don't have to hold everything in your head. Um, and another great practice that uh, therapeutically works well for another people or a lot of people is um, whatever is stressing you out at the moment, you can put that onto a page, be it an interaction with a person or a certain circumstance um, and either having it away in the journal or some people even tear the page up after can have a huge therapeutic benefit. Hmm. Um, it can increase your creativity, right? Because once you start writing, it starts jogging your brain and making different types of neural connections. Um, the connection between our hands and our motor abilities and our brain is really phenomenal um, because it also aids in memory. So uh, studies have shown that the more you write things down, um, the easier it is for our brain to remember it because you're rehearsing that information over again. Um, so especially if you're looking to uh, provide a little context to say what's going on during this shutdown. Um, it will help you to kind of keep it linear and to keep the different events separated um, because you're rehearsing it again and not just trying to hold it all into your brain. So let's talk about types of journaling that are um, available to try. There are lots and lots and lots of different kinds. So I tried to group them into three main types of journaling. So the first is the one that most of us are pretty familiar with. It's record keeping. So it helps you remember information over time. So that could be like a day-to-day. -day. These are the events that happened today. It could be based around a certain event, like, you know, as the lead up to your wedding, tracking all the different experiences or what you're experiencing now during this shutdown. 
Um, or it could be tracking your progress on certain goals that you're, you're moving towards. There's also the forward moving type, which is your planning and intention. So record keeping kind of looks at the past, planning and intention looks at the future. Um, so this might be a great way to start the day because it's meant to inspire you. So it could be listing, you know, your goals for the day, what you want to accomplish, um, intentions, how you want to feel that day and ways you plan to get there, um, or steps towards a goal. These are the things that I want to check the boxes on today to get closer to my end goal. Um, and the last one is reflective, which is more focused on the emotional experience of life. So I think, you know, talking about gratitude, which we'll get to in this event, uh, falls under this category. Um, tracking different mental health symptoms or how you're feeling on different days, which is also a really valuable part of this shutdown experience is not only recognizing the things that are happening around us, but what impact it had on us um, so that we can learn a little bit more about ourselves and how we handle crisis could be a really valuable thing um, to mention. And even just, you know, simply labeling the mood that you felt the most that day. Um, and also that self-development and exploration piece. Some journals um, could be, you know, asking yourself different questions about things that either happened in your past or facets of your personality that you want to explore a little bit further. All right. And then on the last slide um, are just some ideas for beginners. So if you're brand new to journaling and not sure where to start, here's what I would recommend. Um, so if you're not sure what to write, again, check out those guided journals or prompts online. They'll get you started. Uh, you might get a little bit more independent after, but there are certainly people that just stick to that as their format of journaling, and that's totally valid. There are specific journaling apps uh, that are great for if you're just not a handwriting kind of person, and also if you need a little nudge, because um, they'll give you little reminders to add in your thoughts for the day. So it's great for uh, if you need help with starting the habit. Bullet journals are a great way to start. Um, if you want to look those up, it is a much briefer form of journaling where you kind of settle on a couple quick bullets of the information that was important from that day. When starting any new routine, I highly, highly, highly recommend pairing, which is you take a habit that you already have in place and just add something onto it. So you already do your morning coffee or tea. So doing that journaling with it, um, you already have something set in your schedule that will be almost like that reminder. Or if you always read or do a certain pattern before you go to bed, inserting the journaling into that is easier than starting and just finding a spot in your schedule when schedules can feel kind of full. Um, and of course, the last two are just kind of some reminders. Focus on the act, not the product. You don't ever have to revisit it or to um, make an edit because it's for you. And it always helps to make things enticing. So if you get a new journal, new pens, things like that, might motivate us more than the journal that we put away years ago when we tried to start. Um, it hasn't drawn you back in yet. So maybe if you have something new to look forward to, it might be kind of exciting. And that wraps me up. If you're interested in any other stress relief uh, events, especially online, um, Watergrass has a lot going on. So is it okay if I drop just the website link into the group chat? Yeah, please. Awesome. All right. So thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you, Diana. That was really great. Thank you. Um, okay. So now Autumn and Richie are going to tag team and talk to us about um, photo journaling. Hi. So I'm Autumn and I've been working as the university photographer for a few years now. And before that, I was a newspaper photographer. So when I was first invited to do this, I thought, journaling, I've made a whole career out of photographing strangers. Like, <laughs> Well, what do I have to bring to this conversation? But when I really thought about, you know, what I do every day, every day I'm taking pictures of my family, you know, especially right now, because my children are pioneers in this online learning. We're doing first grade over Zoom, tap and ballet and jazz over Zoom. And 
I've been taking pictures of that all along. So I think the main, the main message I want to get across for this, and I, I think this is great because traditional journaling, I loved what Diana had to say about it because I've always wanted to be a journaler and I've always gotten stuck. Like I felt like I wasn't doing it right or um, I would miss a week and then think, oh, it's ruined. But I think the, the message I kind of want to get across is that perfection is not the goal. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I think imperfection might be even better. Like, you know, don't wait till your house is perfectly clean and your kid's hair is brushed and, you know, everything's great. Like, we're, this is your living history. Like Diana said, you don't have to share it with anyone. It can be just for you, just for your family. And it's going to be a really important catalog of what's going on. So, I mean, you can go to the first slides. I think um, I have some photos that I've just taken with my phone. This is what we're living through. You know, this is what life looks like now. And I'm not pulling out a camera, a fancy camera. I'm just grabbing it with my, my phone. They say the best camera you have is the one that you have on you. And everyone has a phone on them at all times. Like, tell me the person who isn't like, where's my phone? I always know where my phone is usually in my pocket or right next to me. So, you know, grab it when you see something happening or just, you know, get a picture of what, what life is looking like for you right now. And so this is why I think it's great that Richie's on here too, because I think what I'm living through right now is a little bit different from what students are living through right now. You know, however this applies to you, it's gonna, it's gonna look different for everyone. You know, I have a friend in California who is a freelance photographer, but she's doing a project on her neighbors and she's talking to them on the phone and finding out little little bits about how how they're feeling right now and she's doing portraits through their window um, some people i know are just doing daily walks now that they are limited on their social time and they're photographing nature or whatever that might be and then again to riff off of what diana said about stress relief i have always felt like photography put me at ease you know, it gives me a sense of purpose if I'm in an awkward situation or I'm kind of shy, I guess, sometimes. So I don't, I don't know that I, I don't really love being in a crowd or being like in front of a room, but if I'm taking pictures and you know, I have a purpose to be there, it's kind of like the way knitting gives you something to do with your hands, but photography gives you something to do with your hands in a similar way. So I think it can be a great stress relief in a way to process the the traumatic events of today. Um, so you can go to the next slide if you if you want. You know, again, this is a little bit more about our life in isolation. You know, where where the kids are doing their their daily work again, just with the cell phone. Um, I think the next slide. My daughter had her birthday party over Zoom. Um, yeah, so I, I might not be a traditional journaler, but I do use photography to to document what's going on. There's not a day goes by that I'm not taking a picture and, and anybody can do that, you know, and it doesn't have to be just the happy moments or just the smiling selfies or nice portraits on Easter Sunday or wherever you are when you're in your finest clothes, you know, we were just coming back from a bad day at school. And, you know, I, I find that that can be just as beautiful. You know, there's beauty in the ordinary everyday moments, you know, photography doesn't just have to be for those those perfect times. And, and now is a good time to find that, find the beauty in, in the stillness, in the, the quiet, in the slowdown that we're all going through, you know? 
what I wanted here was just a happy smiling photo on Mother's Day. And that's not what I got, but it's one of my favorite pictures because the, the, a lot of times this is what motherhood looks like. You know, I said, it was the end of the day, getting close to bedtime, everybody's tired. And I'm like, I just want a picture. It's Mother's Day. We haven't taken a photo together all day. And I never get into any photos. So I shut the TV off and it's just like, let's, let's all smile. And that's not what I got, but I still love it. So it doesn't have to be like, again, it doesn't have to be perfect. Perfection isn't the goal, you know, just, just, just do it. Just take the, take the pictures. Like, it, like Diana said, you don't have to share it with anyone. Um, but you'll look back and it's going to trigger a memory that a selfie or, you know, a smile might not, you know, I clearly remember what was going on that day. Um, and then now that people are stuck at home, you're not tied to school and work schedules. You're not running to soccer practice or wherever you're going. And you can take advantage of the early morning light and the late afternoon light, you know, we call that the golden hour, an hour before, an hour after sunrise, an hour before sunset, you can get out there and, and it's really going to enhance your photos. Um, you can go to the next slide because this was, uh, oh, this <laughs> finding things to occupy yourself <laughs> with during this the isolation period or quarantine period. You know, this is a day where I was still working from home and, you know, my six-year-old is bored and making stuff out of tinfoil. And again, the photo is not perfect. Like I always tell people if I, if they're asking for advice on how to improve their photography, you know, I always say like, keep, keep your back to the windows, you know, make sure you're, you're well lit. But again, this isn't about perfection. So even if you're backlit and the room is dark and you house is messy, you know, capture the moment. Uh, you're going to be glad you did. And again, it's a way to, to not only catalog what's going on right now, but it's like a person, like a family journal, if you will. So even if you don't have smiling faces, great light is going to make her make or break your photo. So this was just driving home, um, right before sunset, the sun's low in the sky. And it's making everything look gilded and, you know, it just improves your photography a lot. And now's a great time to take advantage of that because normally I would be driving home from work at sunset. So on a day that's not rainy like today, take advantage of that and just see what, see what strikes your eye. And the other thing I wanted to add was, you know, be ready. Um, if I've ever gotten a great expression, you know, working in newspapers or if I'm at an event and watching for something, if I, if I get a great photo, a great moment, it's not usually because I'm fast enough to grab it when it happens. It's usually because I'm patient because when something happens once, nine times out of 10, it'll happen again. So if you see it and then you get yourself ready and you wait, you can get some really nice moments, decisive moments, if you will. Um, I'm definitely going to put a lot of what Diana said to use. I love, I love that making it a habit and like tying it to something that you already do. Like, you know, know yourself. Like if you want to make photo journaling a goal right now, you know, if you're the type of person that really loves a challenge, you know, you can, you can set a, a photo a day, a photo an hour, however you want, however you want to approach it. And if that kind of thing doesn't work for you, you know, now's not the time to put any pressure on yourself. It, just be mindful and, you know, try to capture what's going on around you. That's great. Thank you. All right, Richie, let's 
talk about your photos. Hi, uh, I'm Richie. If you don't know me, I work right underneath Autumn in the uh, integrated marketing office. So unsurprisingly, we're going to share a lot of the same opinions. <laughs> I don't have two children myself, so I, I might be a little bit different in the way I, I've been approaching these, these photos lately. Uh, these were all taken during the quarantine for, for this panel. So they're a little less spread out. And, uh, and I'm going to be talking about that, about shooting with a little bit more of a purpose. So for me, the, the most important thing during all this, at least the first or second most important thing is, uh, is the documentation behind it. You know, everyone that's spoken so far today has said that we are going through a historic moment. The entire country is in a state of emergency. Things are shut down. And in a lot of ways, this needs to be recorded. People need to know what this looked like, uh, visually, especially. Uh, you look at only the past hundred years, we've had photographic evidence of things occurring in history. And before that, everything was in writing. So I, I do think that, at least for me, the, the photos can really speak just as much as a journal entry will or a, uh, or a novel will, especially a collection of photos that tell a story like that. Um, here, first one, just me and my buddy, playing some instruments that he has in his apartment. I've been quarantining with him uh, better than being by myself in Hamden. At least we're keeping each other company down here. I'm in stores right now. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, Autumn reiterated this a lot, but I, I also want to say this. Uh, I think the strive for realism and specifically imperfection is incredibly important. Uh, you can't really tell with this first one. This was the first photo I shot for the, this panel so I was still in that like event photographer head and I, I couldn't break out of that but as I shot a little more I managed to to break away from that and 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 remove that specific purpose that Diana was talking about to not shoot to show the quarantine because then I'm I'm liable to misrepresent it I think a little bit more than if I just went outside and took pictures of the things I saw around me so if you want to Keep going. Here's from our window, just some guys ignoring the quarantine playing basketball in stores, Connecticut. And uh, this was still in that realm of, of shooting with a little specific purpose. But once I broke out of that, and I, I think I'd say the past week or so, I've been getting a lot more into photography, probably as a result of this mindset shift where I'm, I'm not going out to capture an event. I'm going out to capture whatever I'm feeling. So I don't need to know what I want to shoot. I don't need to pose somebody. I don't need to go in with any expectations other than the journey, you could say, rather than the product. And the photos will reflect that, uh, which ties in really well to the therapeutic aspect that Autumn was talking about. Uh, when we take a photo, especially if you're going in it with no purpose other than to capture the things around you, you're attaching memories and places and, and these intense emotions to whatever you just visually captured. And if you were to say, at least for me, go a whole day shooting some photos, maybe you go for a hike, then you go to a grocery store, then you go to the park, you walk your dog, and as you're doing that, you're taking photos. And maybe that night or the next day, you go through all those photos. It's, it's amazing. And you know, I'm a photographer, so maybe I'm a little more susceptible to this feeling than others. But it's amazing to go through those and, and recount all of those emotions and recall all those specific events and have such vivid and intense memories of them. And here's where I started striving a little bit more <laughs> for imperfection. You know, I was trying to get a picture of my buddy Mike in the background there, and then his German Shepherd decided she wanted to be in the photo. 
and it's it's not framed well the focus is a little off but man does it make me miss Lacey who's the dog pictured there and whenever I see this photo or uh, a photo from this quote-unquote shoot I'd much rather have this memory of Lacey trying to butt into my photos than the memories of me trying to frame Mike properly. Uh, when you take into account that most of photography's history has been on film and with film you could shoot a picture a day for a month and not see a single one of them until a month after that and then you're just flooded with these emotions with these these mundane and semantic things you took photos of throughout the day that you probably even forgot you took the photo of and yet you see it and it's like oh man remember when we did that and then you look back a year from now and you look at that again and you know it's that therapeutic element for me especially that that keeps me doing it and has been uh really reintroducing me to the uh to the habit of, of photographing a lot more and especially with this just journaling thing and not going into it with the expectation that i want to record everything around me so that i can remember it go into it just having a camera on you and and taking pictures all around you oh speak of the devil it's lacy <laughs> and uh yeah so you know when when we have people come over and we need to properly social distance why not capture a photo of that just one put the camera down and, and toss a frisbee to the dog and, and go about your day um that's pretty much all i have to say about it i've been using it much more as a as an outlet just to record everything rather than to go out and shoot an event like i've been doing for the past two and a half years which i think is is a con large contributing factor to my burnout on photography but this is certainly certainly brought it back for me I'd encourage everyone. Everyone has a camera. Autumn said it. We all, the best camera is the one you have. Just take some photos. It pays off. That's awesome, Richie. Thank you for sharing those with me. And I'm glad to hear that you've been, that your passion for photography has been re-inspired by this unusual time we're all living through. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed the, the guest appearance of Mike also. We you did, we did. I saw him in person. <laughs> Um, all right, so now we're going to hear from Tammy. Tammy's going to talk to us about, you know, wrapping all of this up into a big, beautiful grat gratitude hug and how important it is for us to be grateful um, always, but especially in times like these and how we could explore journaling through that. So, Tammy. Yeah, thank you, everyone. I love being on this whole thread and I love um, getting to hear all the ideas and ways that journaling can be used. I think it can be overwhelming at times when we're not normally a journaler. Uh, so thank you for the tips that you've both provided in such a great way. And I do have some ideas that are going to tie all of this together, which is perfect. But just in general to sort of lay out almost like a little definition, you know, with gratitude, with gratitude and appreciation, it really helps us turn our um, mindset and our ideas towards joy and gladness, right? And so when that happens inside the body, it creates actual chemicals of well-being and peace. And so studies have shown that through using gratitude and appreciation that it leads to less, um, you know, stress in your life, that you have a better overall health, and that you have a more optimistic outlook on life. So this is the same thing as um, Diana had spoke to about just journaling in general. Uh, and there's definitely studies and things that you can look up. But I think right now what, what I wanted to just reference, and we could hear gratitude and, and think, huh, you know, right now there's nothing to be grateful for. How does that factor in? You know, and what I want to remind you is that we are feeling trauma, 
we might be upset, we might have heartbreak, we might be anxious, right? There might be fear. But I want you to remember that you can have all of those feelings, whatever is coming up on any given day, but you have the capacity to also have this ability to find something that made you smile or brought you joy, that you don't have to just be the one thing, that you are big enough, right? Your container is big enough to hold little moments of gratitude within all of these other feelings that are so heavy, right? We don't have to be just one or the other. And because you might wake up and have a bad day, I love the pictures, you know, of Autumn's kids like crying and, you know, you have this bad day, just because there's this bad day doesn't mean there's not a moment within it that you found a little bit of joy. So I don't want to minimize or take away anything anyone is feeling, right? And you're allowed to have those feelings. But within that, if we can find some other spaces, it's really going to help. And I think for me, when I look back, it's going to be easy to remember the heaviness of it and the strangeness and how awkward it all is and living our lives online in a way that we didn't think possible. And I want to be able to look in whatever it is that I'm chronicling and how I'm doing it and remember the little snippets of joy that I had. And, and that's where the gratitude comes in. So, you know, however you choose to document it, however you choose to journal this, whether it's your gratitude statement, which looks like a paragraph, whether it's listing a few things in a bullet point at the end of the night, whether it's just writing one simple statement, right, a, a sentence. However you choose to chronicle your own gratitude is just going to be a, a way for you to go back and remind yourself that there were these little pockets of things that you were able to appreciate and find some solace in. And that could be as simple as a song you heard on the radio. You know, for me, I sit at my kitchen table and I look out and I could watch the birds and I love when I can see like a bird flying by and it, it might sound silly, but that really is something that I'm grateful for, right? You know, having, I'm lucky to have my husband and my daughter here right now. My daughter doesn't live with me and um, she lives in Boston, but she's here during quarantine. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful to have her here. Like it's been such a treat. So whether your moments of gratitude are epic, you know, someone did something for you or you felt this really huge movement or whether it's something small that you had to look for and really think um, about really intentionally. So however you're writing them down or chronicling them, that's like step one. But that doesn't mean you're done with, with the gratitude piece, because really the idea is that you put it down, you think of it, you reflect on it in your phone, on your paper. But then you have to go back and be mindful of it, right? And you have to think about what does this make me feel? Like, why is this important? Why am I really grateful? And that's really where um, the, the feelings that we're all talking about, what it's really important. It's not just writing it down like a box to check. Like, I have to write three things I'm grateful for, ABC. You know, it's, well, why? You know, maybe you only had one thing, but how did it make you feel? And why is that important? And then what's really lovely is maybe that could be some type of a prompt, like Diana's speaking to, if you don't know what to journal about, maybe that gratitude, that one thing you're grateful for becomes the prompt that you then can expand on. And um, again, it certainly doesn't have to. And I, I think that too, um, that mindfulness piece, remembering is really what this is all about, right? Journaling is a way to be more mindful and present, taking a picture, right? We can go somewhere and click, 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 but it's, it's that being mindful of it, like looking back and remembering that special moment and why it spoke to you, you know, watching the guys out of your window shooting baskets or, you know, appreciating Lacey the dog, right? All of those things are, are special, right? And those are the moments that we really want to remember in this time, right? The heavy is going to be easy. 
So just a couple other little things that I, I want to interject. Uh, sometimes it's hard to really sit down and think about what you're grateful for um, on your own. So here's a way you can do it as a family. If you're living with your family, if you have a family, maybe you have roommates, maybe it's not even something you can do in person, but you're doing virtually. Um, so there's like a way that you can do post-it notes every day. So everyone in the family adds something they're grateful for at some point during the day. The, the middle picture is, you know, like a dry erase board. You can't really tell, but it had people's names on it and they had to add something every day. So it's a reminder as, as a collective that you can really be grateful together. And I think sometimes we need little extra activities. The, the last one, I know you can't see the slide too well, but this was um, something I did a couple years ago. Um, I get these, you know, inspirations. I wanted my children, my grown adult children who were still living with me to be more grateful. And so I took this branch. It's hard to tell from outside. I strung some lights on it. And I, I, t I love to take pictures too. Like I'm a pictureaholic. Anyone who takes my workshops knows that because I use them. But I printed them right in these little squares. Here's just one, right? So this is an idea. There's these little squares, right? So I take all my photos. I had printed them. And every day, someone in the family had to take a picture that they wanted and write one thing they were grateful for and hang it on our tree. And it became our 25 days of gratitude leading up to the holidays. And then it sat there throughout the holiday as a reminder. They hated every second. I'm not going to lie. They were like, what? Why are you making us do it? But I in a box with my Christmas stuff. And now the last couple of years when it comes out, I look back and think of the things that, you know, we all put as a family that we were grateful for in that moment. So whether you're doing something like you're printing, which I can give you this website, I love it. I'm obsessed with them and it's super quick and it'll come right to your door or you take your own pictures or you just write pieces of paper and you let your family hang them up. However, you're going to do it. I think that's the nice thing about gratitude is it can be as creative and fun as you want to make it or as personal as you need it to be. Um, and one last tip is even if you're struggling to think about the things that you know you are grateful for in that day, we all have people in our lives that we're grateful for. And so one of the other practices that I did a couple years ago, um, I'm, I'm old. When I was turning 50, um, this was a few years ago, so I'm past that, I, I decided I needed to do something like important, not, not for me, but for the people that had got me to where I was. And so that year I decided I was going to write 50 gratitude letters to people that had made an impact in my life. And I sent them out all during the year at different times, you know, when the moment struck. Um, sometimes it had pictures attached, sometimes it was just the note itself, but it was really rewarding for me to reflect and write this letter and send it. So even within all of this, if we do have a little bit more time, sending someone you love a gratitude letter can be huge. And imagine how impactful that would be in their day and in their life. So thank you for listening to all my yammerings. If you have questions, obviously, we're, we're happy to answer uh, anything that you have or feel free to email us. Thank you. Thanks, Tammy. That was really, really beautiful. And I loved all those ideas that you shared with us. Um, so yeah, if anyone has any questions, feel free to just submit anything right to the chat box. Um, and our participants will be on here for a few more minutes and are happy to answer any questions. Um, I actually have one for Autumn slash Richie, um, just sort of related to um, photo journaling. So one of the things that overwhelms me about that is just managing all of my photos. <laughs> so do you have any advice on like how you organize them? I don't think my way is the best way. I think I've read about a lot of other better ways, but I have two hard drives and I just categorize them by year and month. So I can usually reference, like if I'm looking for a photo. Yep. 
usually kind of remember around the time it was taken and I just like old school scan through them. Yep. Okay. I don't know if that's the best way, but that's the way I do it. I like to have one at home and one at work in case any place burns down. Yes. Is that crazy? Nope. That's smart. (laughs) That shows how important they are to you. It's pretty prime, pretty like primitive, I guess, you know, I don't get any more nano than that. Just years and months. I feel like that's really unorganized. Richie, what do you got? <laughs> I use Lightroom, but even Lightroom, when you import the, the photos, it just stores them on your computer in a year folder and then a, a month folder and then a day folder. So it's pretty much identical. And then I also have my external drive where I just dump years at a time onto there. Just filled up actually. And those are not cheap. So <laughs> it's hard times we're living in. But yeah, I mean, I... Lightroom helps a little bit when you're trying to find uh, a photo because if you do have like, okay, I know I took this in the holidays of 2015, you can go to 2015 and then you can select a bunch of months, say November, October, January, February, December, whatever. And then you can select all of them and just go through all of those photos without having to actually go into every day's folder. That helps a lot. I think with Lightroom, it's made to organize photos. You have to pay a monthly fee. Yeah, it's not free. It's not free is the big problem, but uh, thankfully I, I have to get, well, not thankfully, unfortunately, I have to get the whole Adobe suite for classes and it's thankfully included in that. So I get to use Lightroom, but yeah, I, I, I think either method, they, they really come down to the same thing when you're looking at physical storage of the, of the data. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Chair, did we have any other questions from the chats? Uh, I don't see a specific question here, but Mara was kind enough to leave a tip. She has found hashtag isolation journals on Instagram, um, recommendations on how to see what other people are doing. Um, If you want to check in there, there's also a Facebook account that she's recommending that will help inspire people for journaling. That's awesome. That's a really great tip. Thank you for that. Um, Someone would like to know, how do you keep in mind that perfect is not the goal when taking photos, especially with when you post them on social media. I feel like many people put pressure on themselves and stress about what picture to post, seeking which one will get the most likes or the most validation of their experiences. Mm. Yes. Um, that's, I think it's just constantly reminding yourself that, well, first of all, not, you don't have to connect your photography to social media. You know, some photography can just be for you. Um, there are definitely photos that documented our, our time in isolation together with a lot of messy hair and a lot of pajamas. And I didn't, I didn't share them with the panel or the, with the event here, but yeah, that's tough. It's tough for me even, especially like sometimes I think you put a lot of pressure on yourself. Like I said, to, to, to just make sure everything's perfect before you take the picture, it becomes like a roadblock where it stops you from actually producing any, any content, any documentation. So uh, the only advice I really have is to just remind yourself that life is messy and that's okay. Everyone's life is messy. Don't try to like compete or do it just for likes, right? It's gotta be, gotta let, let go, (laughs) let go a little bit. And uh, Richie, do you have anything you want to say from a younger perspective? Like you grew up with social media more, like, do you feel more pressure. Um, I think you, you really hit the nail on the head when you 
just flat out said, just don't shoot for social media. Go out and shoot for yourself and for your friends and to show your family what you've been doing. Me and my friends, at least, you know, it, it's in the back of our head, like, hey, if we get a good picture out of the shoot, we'll throw it up on Instagram. But that's not why we're going out and doing the shoot. Half of it is, like Diana said, it's about the journey, not the product. We're just doing it because it's fun to go out and shoot and talk to new people and see these new things that you never pay attention to. And the other half is we'll get some cool photos at the end. But really, it's hard to do, but try to separate the expectation that you need to post anything. And it sounds cliche. It sounds like, oh, well, of course, that's the solution. But if the thing preventing you from doing that is that you don't know in that case what you would take a photo of, like, oh, what do I shoot if I'm, if I'm not striving for likes? Just shoot everything around you and anything you see. Mate, you don't need to be a machine gun with the shutter. But if you see something interesting on the street, don't worry about making it the perfect photo. Like Autumn said, just take the picture. And if when you're going through all the pictures at the end of the day, you say, hey, I really, really like this one. And I think other people would like it too. Then post it and, and maybe people will like it. And maybe they won't. It doesn't matter because you like it. You took it. Your photos will at the very least uh, reflect that emotion of unknowing. Yeah. And just to add to that, they'll be uniquely yours. You know, I, I got hung up, especially when my kids were younger on looking at Instagram and there's a lot of like, I don't know what to call them, like tropes in children's photography. Right. So I would say like, Oh, you know, I, I want that shot that, that, that has that perfect light that's in this perfectly manicured yard or, but then I started realizing it got boring. Like I started following all of these, you know, kid photographers and realizing they're all doing the same thing. And you know, at some point, I, I don't want to remember me. I just want to, I want to remember what they were really like. I want to remember my own reality and not what I, you know, copied off of social media, I guess. I, I would add something to that. I think what's so interesting is when you are photographing, it's how you, you are perceiving the world, right? So sometimes when you are putting that image up, like if I'm putting a picture on social media, yes, sometimes we're looking for the likes, but it's more of my view on what that is. And not everybody else might think it's beautiful, but it is what, like I, Autumn, yours was an example. It's your favorite picture. You are like hugging your children. They are bawling. And most people would say that's not perfect, but that was perfection for you in that moment, right? And looking back. So I think that we have to remember that we're taking the pictures, we're the owner, and it really just has to be perfect for us in that moment. Um, and the imperfection, I think, is the raw, organic, you know, substance of what it is. So even, even for likes, I think sometimes you're surprised or you will be surprised at how many likes you get for something that's not the most perfect thing. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, that day I was hoping for perfection. Like I, I did their hair. I put on the button down shirts, you know, I was really going for that Insta worthy shot, but you know, you can't let, you can't let a, a like the, the failure of perfection prevent you from taking the photo. So I'm glad that even though it wasn't working out, I'm glad we still took a shot. I'm, I'm glad I still have that photo, even though it wasn't what I set out to get. Um, so just, I mean, hopefully tr you can try to, Try to remember that what, what's the phrase like don't don't let perfection get in the way of getting it done or something mm. or I don't know what that there's a phrase yeah there's a good one I always love done is better than perfect yeah that's the one I'm looking for 
Getting the shot is better. Getting some shot is better than getting the perfect shot. If I could also quickly. Sorry, go ahead, Reggie. Quickly add if if you struggle like subconsciously, you just can't get out of the mindset that this is for likes. I know, like, uh, just don't don't treat it like it's for likes. Just have fun with it. it can be a little, you know, cheap to to try to do. Uh, it could help even to just reshape the desire for likes and for appreciation and validation of your experiences to narrow down that audience from everyone on your Instagram feed to just your friends and family and yourself. If you think that your friends will get a good laugh out of the photo and your family would really appreciate it or whatever your target audience might be, then I think that that's a way to, you can kind of keep that subconscious desire, especially for younger people like me, where it's like, I need, I need people to like this. Just change who you want to like it instead of random people on the internet to be people that are a little more important. I just want to mention that there are some great tips going on in the group chat if everyone wants to take a peek there. Also, we have one more question. Do any of you keep multiple journals or do you try to use one for all forms? Oh, um, I am a multiple journal person. Um, and the reason why is I like to look back at kind of the evolution of whatever the purpose is. So I have my gratitude journal, which is separate from one that's more of that like self-exploration, like it has specific prompts. Um, because I enjoy looking back and seeing how I've changed over time in that specific realm. Um, and just like we're talking about with the organization of the photos, it allows me to go back and look and find like a certain post or something that I've written. Um, and especially with gratitude journals, um, I don't often look back at journals, but looking back at a gratitude journal is like such an endorphin booster um, over time to look back at those little happy moments. Um, so I like to kind of cluster them, but I am also somebody uh, who is like, uh, like a really organized, really efficient person. So that's what works for me. But it's really up to like what feels more comfortable. Like it could also be based on a point in time, right? You have a journal with different purposes, but then you can look back on, you know, this month of being in our home, like look at all the ideas and things that I wrote down. So it really depends on what you want to get out of it, but I like to separate them. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much, Diana, Tammy, Autumn, and Richie for being with us today um, and for sharing this with us. I think you all gave us a lot. I know you all gave me tons of really great ideas and motivation to get started on this. So thank you. Um, and thank you all who joined us today. Um, and I encourage you all to check out our virtual quad at qu.edu slash vq to get information about upcoming events um, that are happening in Bobcat Nation. Thank you to Diana Fuller, Tammy Riley, Autumn Driscoll, and Richie Petrozino for participating in today's episode. This show is produced by Quinnipiac graduate student Michael Bachman, executive produced by David DeRoche, Quinnipiac's Director of Community Programming, and hosted by me, Carla Natale. I'm the Associate Vice President for University Events and Community Partnerships. To learn more about our range of podcasts, visit qu.edu slash podcast. You can subscribe to any and all of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other apps. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at QU Podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us your feedback, questions, and episode ideas at QUPodcasts at QU.edu. To learn more about Quinnipiac's virtual events, visit QU.edu slash virtual quad. Thank you for joining us on the quad at the Virtual Quadcast. <laughs>